On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Okay, you guys, this is it. We have been telling you about this, you know, sort of special project we've been working on, Second Shot Sit-Downs. And this kind of grew from my desire after 15 years of doing these 90-second interviews <laughs> to give you a little something more. So we came up with you know, a group of people who we think are powerful. We think they have compelling stories. We think they have something that you could learn from. So every other episode for the next couple of months is going to be a second shot sit down where we do a deep dive, in-depth interview and give you something tangible, digestible that you can learn from. So it's a little bit different. Heath isn't here, but guess who is? Matt is here. What's hello, up, Matt? Hello. Happy to be here in the <laughs> dungeon or basement or whatever we have back here. Matt, do you have a ladder? Are you trying to escape? Look, no, no, I'm just ready to do work whenever the time whenever the time comes. I've got some clocks back here. I'm ready to go. Oh my I'm excited gosh. for this. Oh my gosh. So Matt's been working behind the scenes on the show too, you guys. And so if you're listening on, you know, the podcast app, if you're on iTunes or Spotify or something like that, you, you can't see it, but we'll kind of walk you through if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Hello, hello, and welcome to our new studio. Now, I want to tell you about our guest today. His name is Johnny Wimbury. Some of you will definitely be familiar with him. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm incredibly honored to be here. So here's the backstory, you guys. Come on. Here's the, the, the second <laughs> shot. Sit down. Johnny Wimbury is a renowned inspirational speaker who has shared the stage with people like, oh, you know, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar. He is a celebrity coach. A millionaire mastery guru. I don't know what that is, but I'm about to find out because I would like to. I would like to master that myself. Um, he's a number one international best-selling author. He got his start selling by selling drugs at age 14, and today we are here to talk about his second shot. I love that the second <laughs> shot. I love that. I wish it was a second shot. I'm kind of another shot. I messed up more than twice, but well, don't I we all? absolutely love the title of your show. This show. Oh, thank you. Well, I, you know, when I thought about you and your story, it just seemed like yeah, an, an obvious no, it is. one. And because you do so much educating in the public space, yeah. too, with regard to helping other people kind of get unstuck. So for people who are not familiar with him, we're going to do second shot, kind of like a little rapid fire, get to right. know you first question here. And that first question is this. Three people living that you could meet, hang out with, sit down with, Okay. who would they be? So first of all, I want you to understand, um, my personality type is everything and who I am on stage, which is a little crazy I come from. Uh -huh. You know, I like talking, you know, I like teaching principles of success, but I'm also that crazy guy. So if you want to imagine me, you know, <laughs> kind of like in high school, I was like the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air type. Class clown. Were you the Fresh Prince of Fort Absolutely Worth? Absolutely crazy. Yeah, Fort Worth, Funkatown, <laughs> Bound, maybe. Ah. Um, so before I answer this question, I want you to know that most people are, are going to probably think that, you know, it's going to be way up here in terms of finances. But, you know, if I had an opportunity to play like dominoes or cards, I would like Will Smith, you know, um, uh, my boy Kevin Hart. Yes. Uh, I'd say, 
you know, finally, you know, if I had an opportunity uh, to, you know, to be, you know, just in, in an intimate setting uh, with someone like Dwayne, uh, you know, the, the Rock. Oh, uh, The Rock. Like, yes. Like just that mindset. People don't understand, man. These work ethic that these individuals have. You know, get we get caught up into the sensationalism of it, but man, these guys have incredible, incredible work ethics. It's interesting. I always love to hear what people say to this because it does. It kind of talks about and, what are you know, your believe priorities. It or not, Kim, Kim, I, I, I don't want to do it this, but Kim Kardashian. I've had an opportunity to meet her on, on a few occasions, but her work ethic, people don't understand her work ethic is just like out of there. So if it's three or four, I'd throw a female in there. What were you doing meeting Kim Kardashian? I can talk about it now. I couldn't talk about it back in the days, but um, I'm, I, I've also done some cel celebrity life coaching. Okay. I was in Hollywood for a couple years working on some projects, and while I was there, I did celebrity life coaching. So um, when uh, Scott Disick was uh, kind of um, you know wilding out a little bit, yeah, um, they called rogue. me to ask me what I work with him, and then Courtney went into labor like two weeks early, and this was the first kid, and they just kind of took that idea off the table. And then again with uh, Lamar. Okay. Uh, oh, interesting. And um, it, it wasn't attached to what he went through, but I definitely could have prevented that if um, he was open to it. I don't know if it was Chloe or him, but one of them weren't open to the possibilities. Mm -hmm. But they called me, uh, but they just weren't open to going on air or having uh, that out there. It's a lot to go through that process. Yeah. It is. It is. Okay. So so let's talk about you know kind of your backstory that so that people can just relate to what you've been through. I brought up in the intro. I mean, selling drugs at age 14, yeah. I know you were exposed to drugs initially at just such a young, mm -hmm. tender age, at age 8. Yeah. So talk about your life circumstances at that point in time. Okay. A little backstory to lead up to that, because um, I don't want people to think that I, you know, that was something that I opted into based on having many options. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. You know, my earliest memory of life living in a battered women's shelter, uh, we, we left, um, my brothers and I, I'm the baby boy, we left... Um, Fort Worth, Texas, right around three or four years old for me. And then we went to San Jose, California. And San Jose, you know, that was my first memory in life, living at a batter women's shelter. I remember going to a refrigerator, opening up the door and reaching in to grab some milk. And I remember someone saying, no. And Jenny, that was the moment that I realized that life wasn't normal. That wasn't my milk. That milk belonged to another family. Right. And that was my you introduction. The life is not normal right now. So fast forward, uh, we ended up coming back to Fort Worth. My mom puts us on an airplane, says, we'll see you in two weeks. Um, I wouldn't see her again for three years. Oh, my gosh. What uh, happened? Uh, it just circumstances and, and just life happens. And I go back. I meet my father for the first time. Uh, and, and, you know, there was, it, we, we came back from Fort Worth when I was in first grade for the first time. And I would meet my father. And it's the first time I ever had a man hold me and grab me and hug me so tight it hurt. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't familiar with that. But that was the first moment I've ever had a man's, like, love, you know, from a father figure type situation. At what situation. age was that? That was first grade for me. So I would say about six, seven years old. And then um, my mom picked us up for a weekend during the summer, takes us back to San Jose, and my father doesn't know it. Now, I'm telling you all that to say this. Uh, when I went back, I failed the second grade in San Jose. Mm -hmm. I, fa I mean, life just was not normal. So... Well, yeah, it sounds like there was no stability at home, right? Uh, Zero just, stability. Like, ability to help my, with their homework, yeah. just the logistics that people nah. take for granted. My mom was in survival mode. Uh, my, you know, and I didn't know what my father was going through at that particular time. But ultimately, after the second grade, where I failed, uh, we got on an airplane. My father arranged money to get us back, and uh, we went back. My, we expected my mom to be there three weeks later, two weeks later, and I remember going through this process in the second grade. 
Um, and I literally saying, mommy's coming. Mommy's going to be here next week. And that went on for months. Oh. And then what months turned into years. So that, that caused me to grow up very fast in terms of being able to adapt to change very quickly. Um, and it, it built my character in a way that I don't think that any book can build somebody's character. Mm-hmm. So with all that being said, I, you know, when I, when I moved back to my, with my, with my father, um, my father pretty much raised me from that day forward. Even when my mother came back, I decided to stay with my father. Okay. My brother, Larry, my oldest brother, went to go live with my mother. And today he's serving 40 years in prison. So, and I'm saying that because I, I'm not better than my brother. I just didn't get caught. Okay. You understand uh, that, what I'm saying? No, I think that's fair. I think yeah. that's interesting that you say that because mm-hmm. um, it's very honest yeah. about the circumstances that, that you both were, were in yeah. and what you were doing for survival. Yeah, and you know, Sigmund Freud says you become a product of your environment. And I'm not challenging that. I'm just saying I believe that you can choose what your environment is. You know, my brother Willie, who's the middle child, never really got in trouble. You know, Willie, you know, I believe you could be in the midst of fire and never stick your hand out to see if it's hot. And for some reason, Willie was that kid who didn't. I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw drugs when I was 14 years old, started selling them, you know, and, and it was just, it wasn't, it was crack, crack cocaine. I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm introduced to this lifestyle. But the flip side of it is, I'm terrified of my my father. Give me an example of my father, like the personality character trait of my father. And shout out because he passed away about a month ago, a month ago yesterday. I'm sorry. Now, thank you so much. We did a huge celebration for him. Um, But my father was the character, like the character in Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh Uh That's my father. Okay. Like if you really want to picture him, that dude is my father. So I was really good at not getting caught. Johnny. So I was that kid at school, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, class clown, at home, you know, doing things I should have never done. What did you, so at that time, what did you think life had to offer you? What were you seeing as your your potential life? It's a really good question because I, and I didn't know this until maybe two years ago. I thought about it. Even though I know what it feels like being homeless, I know what it feels like, you know, sitting on a floor saying, God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for our food. And we don't have furniture. All we got is, mm-hmm. you know, government, Literally just government food. food. Yeah, yeah, government food. And even through all that, I have never in my life entertained not being successful. I don't have one memory of thinking to myself, I'm not going to be successful. For some reason, I always knew that something was available to me and whatever that was, I was going to get it, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So when I sold drugs, that was me going to get it. That was going to get what you yeah, knew, the did, business yeah, that you I saw. Did. Some people's parents are teachers. Yeah. Some people, know, you know, they've got an uncle who was a lawyer or somebody that worked 100%. in, you know, sales. So that's what you see. That's right? all I knew. Okay. So here's Matt. Let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. I for sure have thought many times I wasn't going to be successful. Like, often. Have you, I mean, <laughs> he's saying, I've never thought. Never. <laughs> well, um, I, I guess I might say I've always thought there's something coming, but I never really knew how to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I had the, I think everybody has the desire to be successful, but I had, I had, the, I had the hope. You know, there was something in me that said, something's going to come, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know how to uh-huh. make it happen. Yeah. Um, so I think I've kind of like spent a lot of my life just slowly working towards whatever I think is success or not, but certainly have never put my foot to the, put the, you know, put the pedal down and said, this is what I'm doing and this is, this is how I'm going to get there. 
Yeah, so help us, help huh. us. Is this, te- is this teachable? So it sounds like you were born with maybe this gift or maybe it just kind of I believe up. I was born with a fight. Okay. I was, uh, no, I can't even say I was born with a fight. I believe that, you know, I think there's two most, the, the two most important days of your life. The day that you're born, the day you realize why you were born. Mm-hmm. And I believe I realized why very, on, very early on in life. Um, I was in fourth grade. Uh, I was in Miss Cook's classroom. Shout out uh, to Miss Cook. Miss Cook, shout out, <laughs> Easton Elementary. And uh, I was, you know, the second story floor, last classroom, all the way down to the left. This classroom had a wooden floor for some reason. Maybe it was a music class at some point. And I remember uh, we had a test and I finished early. And instead of, you know, allowing me to distract the other kids who weren't finished, she set me on the floor and put headphones on me. And it was a record player. And the record started playing. And these are the words I heard. I have a dream one day. Mm-hmm. And when I heard those words, Jenny, without exaggeration, something inside me happened. And I knew at that moment that I'm going to move people. Mm-hmm. I'm called, my voice is call, called to move people and help people. And I would forget about that moment. Like, I wasn't thinking about that when I was selling drugs. I wasn't thinking like that. I sold guns in high school. Like, I wasn't thinking like that when I was doing the things that I was doing. But I could never deny the fact that there was something inside of me. Even to the point where there was a little bit of arrogance on my side. It was almost the arrogance of, I know I'm not going to get caught. I know I'm not going to die. And it's almost like I knew that God had something in my life planned for me. And instead of using that for, you know, um, a blessing to help people, it was almost like arrogance. Okay. Like I can almost get away with anything. And I think that's where that came from. I've never entertained not being successful. And what's crazy is I have entertained going to prison. I think it's kind of important to set up here. I mean, we're, we're just we're setting the stage with. You didn't have parents that got you through anything. Nobody was giving you loans. Nobody was <laughs> setting you up. You know, that. <laughs> you were really, you were figuring this out on mm-hmm. your own. I want to know what the breaking point was that made you turn in the other direction. Because today, you you know, you were on stages with Zig Ziglar yeah. and, and not selling drugs. What was the turning point for you? You know, when I was 18 years old, uh, one of my homeboys were murdered. And sadly, this was not my first friend murder. The difference was I knew the person who killed him. And when I got that phone call, um, I probably was a, a, a close of a rage that I can ever like really imagine. And um, long story short, we went to the wake. Um, we had a teacher, a mom and pop crane. So Mama Crane was our seventh grade, eighth grade teacher. And believe it or not, this starts way back then. Now we're in high school, but they're still monitoring us and taking us to places to keep us out of trouble. And so um, we went to uh, their house that night, and then we went to the wake. We planned revenge. Me and my homeboys, we planned revenge. So I have my gun. I'm pretty sure they had theirs too. And at the wake, my homeboy's mother stands up in front of the casket, and she says, I forgive the young man who killed my son. Now, Jenny, this is the most mature moment I've ever had in my life up to this point and probably one of the most mature moments I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, what'd you do? And I just had a moment where I said, I don't love him like that. If the mother had already found forgiveness, who am I? Uh-huh. I felt like I would be disrespecting her to go get revenge. 
That night, I walked. I asked a, a preacher to meet me outside the church, and I gave him. I gave him my gun, and that was a major moment yeah. where I decided to turn my life around. How hard was it after that, though, to stick to it? I, I think sometimes people have these pivotal moments, and then it's so, there's such an allure mm -hmm. um, and an ease of path and doing right. what you know. How did you stay the course after that, or, or did you? Well, you know, once I made a decision, I flipped that switch. Um, I knew that I was going to fight for my life. And here's the number one principle that I teach people around the world. you got to participate in your own rescue. And I think, I think the thing, thing that made me different than most people is I actually participated in my rescue. I made a hell of a lot of bad decisions. I dropped the ball. I even went back to the streets. But it was very obvious to me that I wasn't going to get too, more, too many more chances. Yeah. So I walked away from that lifestyle. As a matter of fact, the, the next day at the funeral, there was a young lady sitting about maybe 10 people down le left to me on my, on my row. And I looked over and I'm like, I don't know this girl. You know, who are these girls? They're, they're kind of cute. They're not from Fort Worth. They're not where, from where we're from. How you would have known them. Yeah. yeah. How does Mookie know them? Well, mom and mom and Papa Crane went to church where they went to church and, she, and they would take Mookie to church. So that young lady that was down there would end up coming to Mama Pop's cranes after the after we left the gravesite, and me being silly and crazy, who I am, I got on the piano and I, you know, that song to go dun dun dun, and someone else has to play the part dun 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 that part. I said, who else knows how to play the part? And she came over and started playing it. Well, she jacked it up. But long story short, that's my wife today. I knew it. I knew you were gonna say that. That's Crystal. Twenty years. Twenty years been married. Okay, so it sounds like she played a pivotal role. You guys. Major. I, I want to get to because what we're talking about right now is mm -hmm. a long way still right. from where you are today and the lives you've impacted. I mean, you guys, this people people pay a lot of money to hear him speak and to get coaching from him. So please, if there is somebody in your life that needs to hear this message, um, share this with them, uh, send it to him because right after the break, we're going to talk about how he did it, what he's doing now and how we can kind of follow along if we'd like. So we'll be right back. Really quick break to tell you guys about, and we have been so pumped about this, our new sponsor of the Second Shot podcast. It is myllc.com. So Heath actually introduced me to this company uh, a long time ago because he's been using them for everything. Every time he puts together a new business, he goes there, gets the LLC set up. They send back a little portfolio with everything done. It's legally savvy, legally sound, and put together for you. So if you're somebody who's sort of like thinks that that's the daunting part of a business, which for me, it always has been. MyLLC.com is for real where you want to go. And they're also hooking you guys up with a deal. So write it down. Maybe you're not starting a business today, but maybe you're getting inspired by the interviews. It is this 99MyLLC, which gives you $99 off of a new corporation or LLC. I will also tell you, we definitely price checked before doing this. It is for sure the most affordable option. Heath and I have been using them for years and years. We just adore this company. So myllc.com. And again, the code for $99 off is 99myllc. This is the time when we get the second shot. It's like, what's your secret sauce? <laughs> I think so many of us, and you know, it, it doesn't, we may not have grown up in the exact same situation mm -hmm. you did, but I know for sure people are watching and listening today who feel stuck and feel like 
they haven't seen what they want. Mm -hmm. They've never seen it played out in real life, and it's very hard for people to visualize. So I'm hoping, like, that was the mm -hmm. point in bringing you on. Like, look, Johnny did it. We can do it. So Absolutely. how did you, you know, I'm, you don't have a big formal education in sales or anything like no. that, right? No. But that's how you earned your living. That's how you made your money. Right. I've been in sales even before it was legal sales. Yeah. And yeah, well, here's, here's one thing. One of the key ingredients that I have is I didn't lose my fight. Okay. Like, I didn't, what I had in the streets, I, I brought it to the real business world. I believe that people don't succeed in life because they're just afraid to take risk. My entire life was a risk. So learning that key component wasn't really a huge learning curve for me. Every time I walked out of the house, my life was in jeopardy. My freedom was in jeopardy because of things that I opted into, things mm -hmm. that I opted in doing. So the risk factor, I brought that to the business world. So just being unafraid, I mean, that's a good, that's a big takeaway for me. Huge. Um, you know, if, and, and almost like the, the lack of benefit for people who have always been in sort of this safe place is that it's very scary to sure. step out. Yeah. When you started out in sales, what was your first legal sales job? <laughs> I got involved with uh, um, health and life insurance. So when I was 20 years old, I became a temporary licensed insurance agent uh -huh. in the state of Texas. In the state of Texas, you can try it for 90 days to see if you like it. Long story short, I did. I took the test. The state of Texas sent me a mail saying, sorry, we regret to inform you. You cannot represent the state of Texas because you have a felony arrest as Got a teenager. It. So now my past is catching up with me and it made me mad. But again, you got to participate in your own rescue. Okay. I had the Fort Worth um, courthouse. I asked the county clerk uh, to ask Judge Wayne Salvin to write a letter on my behalf just saying, give me a second chance. Literally, those were the words I said. Yeah. Can you ask them to give me a second chance? And they wrote the letter. Two weeks later, no explanation, my license comes in the mail. Wow. I look, hold on for a second, Matt. I like this one. Participate in your own rescue. Yeah, that's so, great. So often we are kind of like, well, I did the thing, and now my life's over. <laughs> we do. The, I oh, did yeah. the thing. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure a lot of people could have gotten that news saying, well, you got a fel felony arrest, yeah. that's it. And and I think a lot of people would look at that and like, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Yes, I have a yeah, felony arrest. it's the state arrest. of Texas. How do you fight the state of Texas? Right. <laughs> right. Like, so <laughs> With the word that please. Been so right. And, and I'm telling you, man, it, it was the simple fact that I just took a step. Yeah. It wasn't anything genius. It was me participating, not knowing the end result, but at least I was. And those, those are things that I would do in the streets. When I was in the streets, a no meant nothing to me. I still would take another step yeah. after a no. So you kept going on with insurance and then got into other the yeah. sales world after Insurance that. turned into uh, getting involved with the network marketing world, the mm -hmm. multi-level marketing world, direct mm -hmm. sales, whatever you want to call it, when I was 25 years old. And that changed my life forever because it opened me up to personal development. This is when I found out who Zig Ziglar was, okay. Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Dr. John Gray. Not knowing, I would end up doing projects with every single one of those individuals. How, if, you, if someone would have told you when you first heard from some of those guys that Jeez. you would work with them to even and see be them among in person. their company. Like it would yeah. have been hard for me to believe that one day I will see them in person. Like that never even crossed my mind. So how did you make it happen? I mean, what was like your daily routine at that point in time? Man, listen, it, it was really just staying in position. Mm -hmm. Staying in position in what I said I wanted to do and every day do something towards that. 
you know, uh, I love the fact that the, you know, the name of the show is Second Shot or Another Shot. Or, yeah, Second to, to Shot, me, exactly. Because I'm really big on taking a shot. Um, you know, Wayne Gretzky says this. He says, 100% of every shot never taken never goes in. Mm -hmm. So if you're not shooting, nothing goes in. So I just said, I'm just going to shoot. But I'm going to shoot in the direction of where I want to be in life. What do you say to the people who say, I shot and I missed. I'm done. I'm backing out. 100% of every shot never taken never goes in. <laughs> yeah. Every big shot was a small shot that just kept shooting. Every big shot. Yeah. They'll say, Johnny, you're a big shot. You're a millionaire. You, you know, you got your own show. You're a big shot, Jenny. Well, you just kept shooting. Mm -hmm. The only difference between you and somebody else is I just kept shooting. Dory said it on Finding Nemo. Just keep <laughs> swimming. Just keep swimming. It's no, it's so it's so true. Mm -hmm. It's so true. The people Matt and I just talked about it. People in our degree, we said, right? Nobody's yeah. even working in this field besides us. We don't know if we're the best. We're just the people who are still here. Yeah, man. If I could teach people, and this is what I do. If 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 you can, if I could talk to the nine month old you, you're invincible. The yeah. nine month old you never got permission to learn how to walk. You yeah. just freaking started the process. There's something inside you. There's something that we were designed to do without permission. But now we get older. You know, we're we're born to win, programmed to fail, and all this programming makes us forget that when we were nine months old, we fell down a hundred times and still got back up, and we didn't care who was watching. Mm -hmm. The only reason you would stop shooting is because you care who's watching. Oh, that's good. Okay, so let that sink in. <laughs> Who cares who's I'll watching? Drink to that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean think about that. Just the daily processes, what you're posting on Instagram, what you for the sales world, what you might be scared to put out there for fear that someone might think something right. about you selling something. If they're going to talk about you when you're broke, when you're hurt, when you drop the ball, they might as well talk about you while you're climbing to your path, to your success. Yeah. I would much rather people talk about me being a millionaire than talk bad about me being broke. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to you, for you to achieve that financial success given you hadn't seen it in front of you? You know, or was that even a goal? No, it was. It absolutely was. But I took the I, I took the attention off of me, and I thought about generational. Um, you know, it was all about generational wealth. When I started focusing on generational wealth. Everything changed for me. And this is before I had kids. Yeah. I started, I began to think to myself, what can I do to interrupt the pattern of poverty that came before me? You know, I'm just a few generations out of slavery. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, and I'm biracial, I'm mm -hmm. black and white. So mm -hmm. you can throw all the odds against me. Mm -hmm. All the odds that you can imagine were against me. I just choose not to participate in what society says I'm supposed to be. Choose not to participate in what society expects yeah. you to be. Jay-Z says... Huh. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Well, based on the numbers and the studies that have been done against me, I'm supposed to be in prison like my brother. I'm supposed to be an abusive alcoholic like my father was. I'm supposed to be all these things in life that society says I'm supposed to be. And they're right. I am supposed to be that. I'm just not going to participate in somebody else's opinion and make it my reality. Uh-huh. Does, any, does anybody ever say anything to you to, to this day? Like, for example, coming up, Okay, yeah, so you were coming from poverty but working to this thing. Is there anything somebody could say to you now that would hurt or make you take a step back? No. Or you're just feeling like so invincible? No, it would, you know, it's not what someone else says. It's what I allow to enter mm -hmm. me when someone else says mm -hmm. it. So, you know, it, life happens. It's never, Jenny, it is never what happens to you. It's what you allow to happen in you when it happens to you. Mm -hmm. So if you say something to me, that pulls me down, 
you didn't pull me down. It's you. I pulled me down. Okay, good. So that's so so good. So we're right. connecting here. Absolutely. Where everybody's getting that message. Yeah. I want to hear about your daily routine, huh. regimen, any secrets that mm. you have for today. Say someone's feeling like, okay, I'm in the flow. I'm doing well. I feel like I'm I'm in the place I want to be. I want to keep it going. Right. What's your day like? What are you, you know, are there systems that you have in place that you think the rest of us should be doing? You know, um, the... That would be an awesome question to somebody who had a rehearsed answer. I don't have a rehearsed <laughs> answer for that. It's, it's, you know, I wake up and I do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, as much as I want to do it until I'm done doing it. And I don't have to ask permission to start or finish. So I am literally in control of every bit of my schedule. The week, I mean, I would say week, the, the only thing that controls me is really my heart. It's hard for me yeah. To, to not get involved when somebody calls, but I don't know when they're going to call. So there's not a cookie cutter approach to my daily lifestyle because, you know, I may get somebody who's suicidal one day and I have, may get somebody who, you know, is, you know, a, 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 about to lose a company that's worth $100 million the next day. Those two scenarios are incredibly different. However, the mindset and the principles of overcoming both of those are exactly the same. Mm, interesting. I like that you didn't have a rehearsed answer because some people say, Jenny, you must wake up every day at 5.30 a.m. Ah. And, and drink a green tea and then meditate for seven minutes. That's so and stuff true. Like that. you know, that's, that's what most people Man. say is their answer. And I ask that a lot because I'm curious about people's uh, systems and stuff. So um, so I like to hear about yeah. it. But he does whatever he wants because I guess you've built that for yourself. Yeah, and, and I've always been kind of like that free spirit type person that doesn't dance to anybody else's music. It doesn't mean that I won't participate in, in your music, but I'm kind of going to dance to mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you guys, we've got kind of a set, a series of franchise questions that we're going to do for all the second shot. Shotgun, boom, boom. Yes. So here's one of them. <laughs> Given the chance to choose, mm -hmm. would you prefer that life be fair or unfair, and why? Um, I don't think life will ever be fair. So I would always say unfair because those who would look for something to be fair, it's just an unre unrealistic lifestyle. You know, who I am today is based on all the unfair things that have been thrown at me, and life throws you a curveball. You can't predict what's going to happen. Again, it's not what happens to you. It's what you allow to happen in you when it happens to you. So the unfair things that happen in life builds character. And character is who you are from the inside out. Yeah. I love that answer. I'm, I'm going to love this question. <laughs> Don't you think, Matt, we've talked about this on regular second shot. Yeah. Well, I think, it's also, I think it's also interesting, maybe in your case, again, going back to you had a felony arrest. They weren't gonna. They weren't yeah. gonna, gonna let you work. If life was fair, that might be the end of it. Because like you have to pay right. for what what mm -hmm. had happened or what you yeah. had done, right? And but, I could allow it to piss me off or piss right. me on. <laughs> so most people get. You gotta realize it's so easy to get pissed off it in is. society. It, it is. pissed me off. It turns something on inside me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It gets him going. Yeah. Let life be unfair for Johnny. <laughs> okay. Last second shot question here. And again, this is the idea with this being a gift to our audience. We want them to. You know, I mean, look, we don't all have access to Johnny all the time, but this is kind of like our little private 30-minute one-on-one yeah. coaching session with him. So, hypothetical, he already had a best-selling book, so I can't offer him his first book deal. Mm -hmm. But we're going to offer you another book deal. All right, let's do it. And I promise to get into the hands of everybody who needs mm -hmm. a second shot at life. The catch is, the book is one sentence long. What's the sentence? What's the one line that you give to everybody who needs like a little bit of hope for a second shot? 
where you come from doesn't have to dictate where you're going. So good. So good. Let it sink in. <laughs> Post it. Tweet about it. Yeah. Quote it. Instagram it. Your past doesn't have to determine yeah. your future. You don't have to consult your past to determine your future. And I think that's what most people do. You know, people look at life like a hand of cards. Like the hand you get the day you're born, that's the hand you have to play with for the rest of your life. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. You could throw that hand in right now and hit the reset button, restart. But you got to have a coach. you got to have somebody. Yeah. You know, tennis players have coach. Pianists have coach. You know, people have coaches in life other than in life. Right, right, to keep them going. You gotta, yes. you know, so people have coaches in everything that they do other than in life. I coach people in life. Yeah, it's, oh, this is good, Johnny. I, I love it. And I love that you're so on fire and, like, here for us to access it and feel Thank it you. and get inspired by it. To, if, if people are interested in, in that, in your mm -hmm. coaching and connecting with you, following you, sure. give them all you got. Um, um, any social, social media platform is at Wimbry, my last name, at Wimbry. Um, but for coaching and things like that, go to coachjohnny.com, coachjohnny.com, Johnny Carson, Johnny Depp, Johnny Blaze, that Johnny, <laughs> coachjohnny.com. I like the associations. Oh, you got to do things to make people remember. Yes, I'm with you. Johnny Wimbry, thank you. Thank you. You've I been awesome. Thank you. This is good. I feel, Matt, you feel ready to rock? Am I coming back? Am yeah. I coming back? It's inspiring. Yeah. Am I coming back? Yes. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, let's do a Johnny on the spot on the regular segment. Let's get it. I like it. How's I like that for it. closing on air? Yeah, 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 right. Okay, promise. <laughs> deal done. Okay, you guys, here's the deal. Second shot sit downs. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you know somebody and you think, gosh, this could help them get out of a rut, get unstuck, anything like that, please do share it with them. We are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Where else are we at? Matt, we're on everything. Everything. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Facebook, I didn't, I didn't YouTube. hear everything you just said, but yes. We're, all we're on every platform. The idea <laughs> being that this is a service for you, a gift for yes. you, and um, just a, a resource for you. Don't forget you can join the Second Shot Super Secret, Not So Secret Facebook group, and we will connect and hang out in there. And then the next episode that comes up will be our regular one, and we'll invite my husband back for that. Have a good one. Bye, you guys. Yeah. <laughs>